0: Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Troy, Michigan, with a very special guest by the name of Jim Taylor. Jim, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? I am. All right. Really nice to have you here. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we dive into this newest venture of yours, what's one little thing that maybe most people don't know about you, Jim?
1: Well, you'd have to go a long way back into my past, but at one brief moment, I thought I was going to be a concert pianist. But then I switched gears and became an insufferable engineer. But there was a time I went to the finish line and started it, and uh, a lot of other reasons, but that's my secret.
0: Wow. You know, this is interesting because I've had a a fair number of guests that have said something very similar in the music world. And I wonder if there's any correlation to engineers and designers and music and automobiles and all of this but do you still play the piano today?
1: I do especially coming into this time of year what the kids and uh, hopefully soon the grandkids will enjoy is uh, you know playing the live music around Christmas time with all the carols and some of the historical songs that people like to sing no matter how good they are but back to your question just a little FYI there's a huge correlation in math and piano and math and music and so there is a string, as you said, if you go backwards and say, uh, why is it that there may be from an engineering uh, standpoint and music, um, there is something there.
0: I think you're right. Absolutely. You can see on the wall behind me a Fender Stratocaster hanging on the wall. I uh. grew up playing guitar. In fact, I taught guitar for years when I was in uh, high school and a little bit in college in the summers to make extra money. But I've had a lot of guests on the show that are musicians. Interesting. Yeah, and love to play. But I, I get that with music. I learned from a traditional musician. I had to learn how to read music, write music. Oh, yeah. The scales and all that. I used to hate that. I'd just teach me a song. <laughs> but, you know, I was probably six years old when I started playing, seven, something like that. So. Uh,
1: I was tortured by the <laughs> meanest lady you could ever imagine. <laughs> yeah. With all of that, uh, exactly like you, old school. You yeah. know, we didn't have any of this fun music teaching. I put my own kids into piano class, and it's like, oh, what would you like to play? It's like, are you kidding? Where's the book? You know, yeah. so I had no choice. Here was what you had to learn, and then exams every year. It was not what it is today. Yeah, but it, it worked. It was a it was an excellent uh, system, but I'll remember her forever.
0: Yeah, I think it taught us some discipline is what it did at an early age, which was probably a good thing, but it didn't feel very good at the time. <laughs> well, let me give you a proper introduction. I'm really interested to learn more about your business. Jim Taylor is the CEO of Electric Last Mile Solutions, where they are transforming commercial fleets to drive the e-mobility business of today and tomorrow. Their technology is designed to deliver the most reliable and most efficient electric last-mile solutions, combining integrated deep data analytics, Customization and sustainable engineering. Prior to co founding ELM, Jim served as chief executive officer of electric car maker series. Before series, he was the chief sales and marketing officer of Karma Automotive. I know that car, a luxury automotive electric car manufacturer. And he was also chief executive officer of AMP Electric Vehicles, which acquired Workhorse Group Incorporated. Jim also held various leadership positions at General Motors from 1995 to 2010, including CEO of Hummer and President of Cadillac. So we're talking with a guy who knows his stuff here today. Before we head any further, let's uh, give a little listen to our very valued sponsors, give them a little love, and we will be right back. Covercraft's newest five-layer indoor cover is especially engineered for indoor use, providing maximum dust protection when your vehicle is stored in the garage. Your five-layer indoor cover is custom-tailored with Covercraft's attention to detail, form, and fit with the quality and attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Even if your vehicle is always inside, dust and fallout can damage the paint and an extra layer of soft, Breathable material protects from accidental bumps and rubs. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. Every one of my vehicles is protected with a Covercraft cover custom fit to fit the car like a glove. And I have a deal for you. If you use the code ya 21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your order plus Free shipping, that's right, 10% off and free shipping. Simply use the code YEAH, yeah at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. for collectors. So, Jim, we're back. So I would love for you to first talk a little bit about your history because, man, you've been around. You've been doing a lot of things in the automotive industry. <laughs> and then kind of segue that into electric last mile because I really want to know more about this business. Our good mutual friend, Sean, recommended that I talk with you. And I'm so glad she did because I'm fascinated by what you're doing. But let's go back in time a little bit first, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit past the piano lessons. And what got you into engineering <laughs> and the automotive world?
1: Well, probably... Uh- Like a lot of people, I'm sure you've talked to, there's heavy influence from my father. He was an engineer. And so there was always something in either our garage or basement being torn apart and put back together. Nothing ever went to get repaired. So I probably just uh, came by it naturally by watching that. And I think, you know, looking at my own kids, either you're interested or you're not. But apparently, whatever uh, DNA I had, I was interested and grew up in that kind of an environment. So when I went off to school and had. Various things to pick from. It seemed like a natural to fall into the engineering space, and you know, there I went. But got very fortunate. I just think that'd be my theme. Mark uh, a lot of different stops along the way, but joined in with General Motors, uh, fresh out of school, uh, up in an area just east and north of Toronto, Ontario. And uh, the GM story that I'll summarize in a few minutes is one of uh, numerous stops, and so. A lot of people get asked, you know, why did you stay at one company so long? GM's so huge. I felt like I went to 10 companies, but (laughs) it never really left the mother company. And uh, those were all great assignments in different places. So some initial work in Canada, then jumped over when Saturn started. You've probably heard many, many stories about Saturn. So did uh, three or four years there when it started, literally as a cornfield, when we uh, hit the first stick of dynamite all the way to the first vehicles coming out the back door. That was a tremendous experience. Jumped over to Europe. Had a few years over there, back to the U.S., been in engineering, been in purchasing, program management, and then finally, as you said, with the uh, best assignment ever, <laughs> <laughs> running uh, Cadillac globally was just tremendous during our, our renaissance and refacing Cadillac with both product and marketing uh, to bring the, the brand back from its and we'll talk about this more, but original, of course, fame. Yeah. And then finally getting uh, all the way to a bad situation where it was going down, let's be honest, and then our, uh, our dedication to bringing it back. So that was a great assignment. Uh, but when GM was over, you know, bankruptcy kind of turned a lot of us uh, into wondering whether we should hang around or not and uh, whether we would be swept anyways as things were going. So at that point in time, uh, I did leave early. And then the last 10 years have all been in, as you just said, uh, various forms, places of this EV industry. So again, we'll talk more about that. But this is a tough, uh, let's put it in engineering terms, equation to solve because all the way back to 10 years ago, think about the Volt was just launching, you know, Tesla was just launching, hard to imagine these days. But uh, it was, I think, safe to say uh, wine before it was time. And so it was a struggle in that industry the suppliers weren't up to speed weren't dedicating people or cash to it the technology was uh, you know pretty flaky the reliability was bad the costs were huge but uh it was like a lot of initial industries at the early adopting stage it had to go through all those speed bumps to just keep learning and getting better so year after year company after company um they, they did they did get better uh people's willingness to adopt the vehicles got better but even just now with this company, and I'll segue to Elms that uh, we've just established, in my opinion, uh, there still are, let's let's I'll be very honest, uh, a lot of uh, hurdles to adoption. Let's say one of them, easy one, range anxiety is still a real thing. Yes. Uh, if you go out and, and you're going to randomly drive like we Americans like to for, di- for long distances and things like that, they're getting much, much better. Obviously, north of 300 for most of the vehicles now is going get, to get us where, we can probably do most things. However, there's still a lot of anxiety in that space. Cost is still very high in and in. So we founded this company uh, a little over a year ago with the idea that, look, if we could take a few of the obvious things uh, out of place, that would be first range. What vehicles like hardly go anywhere every day? Mm -hmm. And those are urban delivery vehicles that kind of travel in a 40 to 50 mile, it's called circuit or circle A. B, when they leave in the morning, you know exactly where they're going to go. There's mm-hmm. no mystery that says, hey, I, I think I'm going to uh, you know, go to my relatives this weekend and and uh, have to drive four or five hours. So it's a loop, uh, three. It's a short loop. I mentioned 40 to 60 miles. And then they come home to the barn at night so they can sit there all night being charged. So this particular use case is a perfect location for electrified vehicles. So not as sexy. We'll come back to that later as Cadillacs <laughs> or even yeah. Hummers. Um But, on the other hand, a very, very uh, good application. So we uh, put together a whole business model where we could acquire hardware. We could acquire the former Hummer plant. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Wow. And uh, have the uh, hardware that we needed for the platform, the electronics we needed for the connectivity, the plant itself to manufacture these, and then, of course, my team here in in Detroit as well as other areas of the world. So that came together pretty fast. And then... uh, You know, the rest of it was the the growth and then uh, actually executing it, of course, getting it financed. Those are all uh, big hurdles. But uh, as of now, we've launched our first vehicle, the smallest of the vehicles, and uh, that went into production in late September, early October. Our second vehicle is anticipated to be launched uh, early second half of 2022. So we'll have a so-called class one and a class three medium duty vehicle on the road by come this fall
0: wow well there, there's a fast transition from a, a budding pianist all the way through a career and, and into uh creating <laughs> two minutes uh, two yeah that's pretty impressive i think that's really wild I, you know i find it fascinating that you use an old uh plant to recreate reinvent yourself i guess isn't nice, i is that a good <laughs> way to put <laughs> it
1: well it is and it's uh I, I forget what the expression is but life life goes in circles or something like that it's uh this particular element uh, also makes life you know fun, and you uh, can uh, stop to smell the roses once in a while. And yep. so when I was a young engineer actually working in the truck group, and uh, this is the time that the Hummer plant was actually built. So the Hummer brand had been purchased from you know, the H1 and Arnold Schwarzenegger era, <laughs> originally was, uh, was purchased to become a brand that GM could use. And so the first GM vehicle wasn't the H1, it was the H2, mm-hmm. and that was built off of the truck platform. And so they uh, also, AM General, agreed to build a plant for us out in Mishawaka, Indiana, and build those vehicles uh, for General Motors. And so I, well, at that time, was uh, helping build that plant and put it together. So then My fast gosh. forward again, uh, how many years? 10, 12 years? And unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately, yes. you have to be in charge <laughs> of the brand, yeah. unfortunately, to shut it down at the end of its life. So there went the plant. That was a extremely sad day, of course. And then uh, fast forward again, here I am. And last uh, June was able to close and buy the plant back. So now it's mine.
0: <laughs> you know, who'd have thought, <laughs> right? I mean, isn't it interesting the paths the world takes and, yeah. the, and your personal path through that. And now you find yourself back at a place that must have been very surreal to purchase that facility, walk in there and go, wow, how things have changed. My goodness. No,
1: absolutely. It, it's beyond surreal, yeah, the memories. And in fact, uh, our current plant manager was there when we opened it 20 years ago. He, he's still there. as one of the originals. So it's uh, yeah. for many of those people, it was uh, a roller coaster. It was the best of the times and worst of the times, numerous uh, times as that plant went up and down. But it's great now. It's turned back on. We've got you know nearly 100 people rehired. They're uh, producing vehicles. So there's a lot of smiles on a lot of faces in Mishawaka, Indiana these days.
0: Well. Very proud, you must feel, to be able to bring all that back, especially after your history. And I would assume that all those years of doing all those different roles at GM, you talked about that earlier, helped you define what you're doing now with electric last mile because you were involved with so many different facets of autom- automotive manufacturing.
1: It does, um, I guess, a couple different directions, Mark. It's certainly from a career standpoint, having, uh, say, done all of those different stops in various aspects of the business, a lot mm-hmm. of people... Again, not good or bad, just the way things work out. Uh, may start into a certain function and you know spend their entire life in, a, in that area. I was uh, different, but also fortunate. I felt to be able to jump around into, as I said, engineering, manufacturing, and mm-hmm. purchasing, and, and sales and marketing and all these different areas. So what that's really you know set me up to be able to do was what this last uh, ten years have been is more in the leadership, the CEO role, because. I really have a, a pretty good handle on each of those aspects of the business, and that's uh, one of the things that takes, of course, to to be the boss.
0: Wow, incredible! So let's talk more about the vehicles themselves. Are these mm-hmm. primarily going to be for, I would say, industrial commercial use? So for let let's pick a big one, uh, Amazon Prime, for instance. You yeah. see them buying a lot of electric vehicles. You see them. I see them. I live in a cul-de-sac in a very secluded, private, gated area, and they drive up my street three times a day. Sometimes four right now during yep. Christmas time. In fact, I'm up very early in the mornings. It was still dark this morning, and one delivered something to my door at 5:45 uh, a.m. And you know, he said, "Oh, you're up early," and I go, "Well, so are you." And he goes, "Well, I've been up for hours." So, is that where these vehicles are going to primarily be used? Do you see, or will there be some uh, use for individual people to use them as vehicles for themselves?
1: Initially, and this is part of, uh, you know, Mark, what I what I uh, package here to say, there's been a lot of stops, as I mentioned of, uh, I'd say, what not to do. And so, for instance, you know, Karma was tough, the, the pre- previous Fisker. Oh, it's yes. 100-
0: yeah.
1: $130,000, $40,000 vehicle, specialty only, people that are, you know, looking across, you know, laterally and saying, let's see, I can have a Maserati or a Ferrari or a Bentley or a Karma. I mean, it's extremely difficult to sell up into that emotional space and also, you know, high price points and with so many other alternatives. We're at the opposite end. This is 100% practical, 100% commercial, to answer your question, not retail, not for individuals. And it's, you know, strictly to support a business and a business needs. So the decision process that owners go through here is very pragmatic. What's a cost? How reliable is it? What's going to cost me to run? Is it going to be cheaper than the vehicle I have now? It's It's a business decision. Yeah. And that's Frankly, in the automotive space, a lot easier uh, place to work than it is in the emotional brand space where there's so many other factors in a purchase decision for an individual. I'll bet.
0: I'm really excited and really proud of what you've done. It's absolutely incredible. Is it because of electric vehicles that this all could happen for you? Is that how you view it?
1: Well, I think certainly that uh, let's, let's broaden it, yes, uh, but also uh, startups in general. If you look back, uh, as long as you've been doing this and say how many new car companies you know, have there been in 20 years, Right. and uh, we can go all the way back to Saturn and say, well, there's one, mm-hmm. and uh, say Fisker was, but then it wasn't, right? Yes. It didn't make it, and then uh, revived uh, slightly by the Karma uh, team, but in general, hardly any because the, the barriers to entry are enormous. Primarily engineering budgets and, and capital and then you know the plants and facilities and 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 in. but what's Opened the door here in this electrification era as you now know now is how many more startups because a lot of the requirements to set up you know an engine factory for instance if we're going to be a, a car manufacturer with engines or um, Body shops and you know paint shops and in and in the capital is just enormous and so that kept a lot of, of players out but in this new era it's also open up a different kind of door, call it a talent door, where you know, you're know you not looking for the guy that's had 40 years experience in engines because all you have is a motor. Electric <laughs> motors have right. been going around in washing machines for 100 years. So mm-hmm. there's a, a lot easier path towards executing these products than there were with very, very complicated uh, ice engines. And there's the younger people that are coming even at a, at a college now, electro, uh, electrical engineers, for instance, they can be an expert in three years. They don't have to wait 30 years to match up to the the counterparts and the big OEMs and things like that. So it's a whole new playing field allowing uh, a lot of these new startups to emerge.
0: My, how things have changed. And certainly, as I mentioned before, you've reinvented yourself and your career and what you're doing. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating to me. I would assume you had many very important people in your life that are what I call driving inspirations, mentors, mm-hmm. influencers, and so forth. It may be a hard question, but can you pick one in your mm-hmm. life that really stood out for you?
1: You know what's interesting when you uh, read this uh, question that uh, luckily you sent me ahead of time so I could think because you're right I had several and each one of these questions I thought how am I gonna get this down to one remark <laughs> or we'll be on here for three hours so and I said to Jake you know what's interesting about this question is the person that came to mind actually was like the worst person he was the meanest. Um, <laughs> most demanding, um, I'm trying to think of words I can even say on air, but I mean, <laughs> yes. this guy was tough, you know, tough. Yeah, he was, he was a bastard. It was intense pressure. Just like, I'd say this, I'll come back to this, like seal training. It just, we hated this guy. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, maybe a really bad football coach, right. That's just screaming in your helmet every night. And you go like, what am I doing playing this game? Right. But then later you wake up and go, "Wow, was that ever valuable?" Because you know he was he was getting us ready for battle, and uh, and and it worked. You know, I, I think about him even now, twenty years later, about the the lectures he gave us, and uh, you know, taking us to school, and and giving us zero tolerance. And then you know, if you didn't have your total act together, your your story, your facts, whatever it was, you were in charge of. He would just grind you up and spit you out in front of everybody embarrass you and go boy this isn't very nice leadership skills yeah but you know what it worked
0: you mentioned your piano teacher was a woman, so not the same person. <laughs> no, <laughs> similar
1: characteristics, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, somehow it worked, didn't it? Wow. Yeah, I've heard this from many, many people, and I've talked to people that, let's pick one uh, who we've lost, but Steve Jobs. I've had uh, several friends that worked for him in the early days, and very much mm-hmm. similar, mm. just driving, demanding, and rough, and like, uh, and just eight people up, and, you know. But at the same time... Of uh, things got done. Things happen. And as long as we can sit back and see ha- that this taught us to grow, that's a good thing. I remember my toughest teachers in school were the ones I ended up liking the most. At first, I did not like them very much, but they ended up teaching me the most. And sadly, there were only a few of them throughout my entire educational career, all the way through college. I could probably pick two, three professors in four years of college that were really, really tough, but I, was, I felt pretty good to get an A in that class because, boy, you earned it. Yeah. Very nice. Let's uh, take a short break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about another challenge you faced. No doubt you faced a lot of them. You touched on a few. So keep that thought in mind. We'll be right back. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. Did you know that CARSYEAH is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts, in the United States, that's right. And Carja yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, Dupont Registry recommended Carja yeah! is one of their top ten car podcasts for you to enjoy. Carja yeah! has experienced tremendous growth. Plus, your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Car yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. So, Jim, let's talk about this. Now, <laughs> I almost feel silly asking you this question because of what you went through, especially at GM during those very, very challenging times. You talk about 07, 08, uh, the economic meltdowns, uh, transitions in the automotive sector. But I'd love for you to talk about one big, huge, hairy challenge, a big, mm-hmm. hairy, audacious call, as mm-hmm. Jim Collins calls it in good to great. Uh, share that with us. But more importantly, what was that really valuable lesson that you learned?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, this is a theme. I'm going to have to debrief after this uh, call, Mark, but it seems like the, uh, you know, the big challenges that teach you the best lessons are maybe the, the, the worst ones, too. So this was, uh, again, a high and a low. So at the time that I took over Hummer, uh, it was you know just tremendous. You talk about uh, I'm a big uh, student and fan of brands and which ones are really, really successful and why and, and what makes them successful. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of that is, is being, let's say, an extreme. You don't have to be universally loved. It's like, yeah, but do you have your audience love you? And for all the right reasons, and do they stick with you? And so, you know, Hummer was a polar brand. There was a lot of love and there was a lot of hate, but the lovers, you know, were very, very dedicated to the brand. And so, you know, running Hummer was a great experience after Cadillac, back to back, but the huge challenge, uh, which is really, really disappointing, so we went from absolute highs to the lowest of the lows is when it was announced that, uh, okay, we're going to close Hummer. It's like, whoa, whoa, you're yeah. closing this brand. This is an awesome brand. The trucks are awesome. The customers love us. You can't do that. So that was very, very disappointing for the Hummer plant, You know, for a few thousand engineers, and for a couple hundred dealers in yeah. and all over the country. So that was, uh, you know, you, you asked about a challenge or a failure. I'd say that was a, a failure in a sense that, you know, that we had to manage that uh, that brand go, uh, winding down and uh, closing and do it with, you know, the least amount of disruption and, of course, professional respect to all of the partners and suppliers and everything. But, yeah, it was a real challenge uh, walking away from that, telling everybody, you know, again at that plant I just mentioned. Okay, we're all done. We're shutting it down. Telling all the engineers, okay, sorry, you got to go home because. At that time, you know GM was melting down simultaneously with the bankruptcy, so it wasn't like all these people. You could say, "Okay, look, good news is you're transferred over to work on the new Buick," but it's like they were done. So we let uh, you know a lot of people go, and uh, it was rough. But it was uh, it was a good teaching that not everything is rosy, and if you're going to be a leadership uh, positions, you have to be able to roll with the good and the bad, and be able to deal with both and and handle it and take the stress and. Somewhere on your list here, what we'll come back to is probably one of the number one characteristics of just being able to handle stress. And uh, you're going to get, you know, how many curveballs thrown at you either daily and some of them are going to be pretty ugly. And you just have to be able to work your way through them and handle them properly. Keep your head up and, you know, be an even keel for the rest of the people who are looking up to you. But uh, that was pretty, pretty disappointing time.
0: Oh, I can't even imagine. Well, let's come back to something a lot more positive here, and that is uh, electric mm-hmm. last mile ELMS. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, let's talk about your bucket list for this brand. You talked about early 2022, your second model coming out, but let's mm-hmm. let's go a little further out, maybe just say two, three years. I don't know if I dare go further than that After based on what we've been through this last 18, 19 months, because who knows what's coming our way. Let's hope it's better news in 2022. But where do you see the brand going uh, in the near future, let's say?
1: We have some uh, short-term goals, obviously, as a startup, that uh, get these vehicles out, as you mentioned. But uh, and I didn't really answer your question fully. But uh, on the duty cycle, what's really exciting about this brand and, and this product we're bringing is not just the let's call it the obvious. And you're right, the Amazon truck that comes and you know spends you know half the uh, the day traveling in a very small circuit of houses, especially in uh, in congested uh, neighborhood cities and urban uh, areas, and you're right. By the way, you, you picked that number up, but it is a true statistic. The uh, average drop for Amazon is three per street. Um, it's just phenomenal the density that they've achieved, and the you know the go-to success of that brand being able to be uh, the default position. I heard the Converse is FedEx is uh, one every. Uh, three streets. So it's like a nine-to-one factor in the delivery frequency of uh, FedEx and uh, Amazon. Isn't that incredible?
0: That's but, it's mind-blowing to me for a company yeah. that's been around so long and a company that has not been around so long. So, so when you think of it, I mean, Amazon's been around, but not where it is today.
1: But there's, of course, is a, is a huge uh, commerce model anyways, but we also have other duty cycles. So what I'm getting to is that we are of course, approaching all the large package delivery companies, but on top of that, there's other simpler uh, usage cycles. You can think of the local florist, and it's mostly shuttles, it's fresh goods, and so you're not going very far. And a lot of, uh, you know, from the store out deliveries, there's things like your uh, telefo- telephone uh, uh, repair guys or your, or your power company that comes out and then sits there for three hours while they're fixing the phone or the cable or the wires out back. So there's a lot of Uh, Other utilities uh, things there's these very large both university campuses. There's office complexes You think of Microsoft and Google and these kind of places have enormous uh, uh, Properties that they have vehicles running on a lot of them are unfortunately dressed up golf carts and they're really not that nice But could really use uh, nice electric vehicles. So we're finding numerous use cases uh, as we open our doors and kind of make everybody aware that we exist so fast forward Two or three years, what you know, I think would be a real success. Looking back, is first, and hey, I'm not, I'm not naive on this. Is that we actually still exist. I mean, startups still have pretty high odds against them. So we've got to uh, get these brands, you know, produce the vehicles, which isn't a small task with all the supply chain issues we have these days, yeah. and then get them in the hands of these customers. They have to be happy. They have to tell other customers. There's lots, lots to do in the next two or three years. But we get out into that time and. You know, we pull up to places and hopefully we come back this. It was always a smile on your face when you'd show up and one of the cars you worked on as an engineer or, or was in charge of as a brand. And you come up and somebody can't wait to tell you how much they love their new Cadillac or, you know, their new Hummer and 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 and. And you go, well, you know, that's what gives you the jollies to be in this business. So I'm hoping in a few years ago, show up at some place and up pulls the Elms in front of me and the back door <laughs> <laughs> opens up and out jumps the driver. And yeah. He's delivering yeah. that product. And I ask him, hey, how do you like your truck? And the guy goes, oh, I love this. And, uh, you know, we're a success with these uh, customers. And the company itself, you know, lives on well past, you know, my time here.
0: Well, I can't wait to the day I get to send you a text message or a phone call or yeah. an email and say, guess what just pulled up in front of my house? Hey, Jim, there's an Elms here. Perfect.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. that's it.
0: I look forward to that. Let's talk a little bit about, go back to talking about you and your past. I'd love for you to share a story about a special vehicle in your life. Now, you're a guy that's worked around cars your whole life. You sent me some great pictures with some different kinds of cars that you're around, uh, the Cadillac, the Hummer, and of course, the Fisker, uh, the Karma. So is there one car that really stands out for you?
1: You know what, uh, what comes to mind, Mark, is, you know, there's the hardware. And uh, I've had, well, other than other than a uh, plane, but you know, the cars, bikes, trucks, I mean, uh, get in this business, uh, we are sort of addicts and it's, uh, it's a thing, you know, we collect them all and, and use them all. So that's part of the business. But as I think back, what, it, what makes them special is more some experience that happened around them and, you know, what, what, what you were doing with them or right. where you took it or, you know, something like that, what, who you shared the experience with, as I talk to a lot of people, especially old cars, it's, Hey, this is where I, you know, engaged them got engaged with my wife. This is where, you know, my kids were born in the back seat. Uh, those are the stories that usually come back or like Jay Leno. This is the car I lived in while I didn't have a job. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so in that case, uh, early on when, when I was, uh, buying cars for reasons, uh, the one that comes to mind, that was really special was, so we went to the Brickyard, uh, 400 and, uh, that was, you know, experience in its own being at the Brickyard. And, uh, at that particular time, I was responsible for the Camaro Firebird product lines uh, from an engineering standpoint. So I was up you know, watching the race and I uh, got to go down on the track. And, you know, they do all of the uh, original pace cars that go around and, you know, we parade cars, they call them. You sit in the back seat and wave to everybody that doesn't know who you are, but you wave anyway. <laughs> There's Jim Taylor. Hey, Jim Taylor. There's uh, some driver next to you, but, you know, and a pretty girl, and all that stuff. So I came back up to the GM suite and asked one of the ladies, like, what happens to these cars like when we're done? She says, oh, we just send them a dealer, and they just get sold. So, we're like, what if I want that one I was just in? She's like, "Tell, tell me right now, you want it?" She's yeah, like, I want it. It's like, okay, cool. Where'd you want it? So we'll send it to my house. So I got back <laughs> Monday, and there it was. So I kept that uh, Camaro Pace car, you know, pretty much my whole uh, young adult life. And the kids, you know, grew up uh, going on rides and things like here, the Woodward Dream Cruise, and it got a lot of use. So went back and bought the replica of the '69. Um, pace car, the the uh, orange and white stripes. So oh, yeah. a lot of memories in those uh, those pace cars.
0: What year was that pace car? That Camaro pace car?
1: My the new one was a '94, and then it was uh, the '69 was the sort of famous one. So yeah, yeah. That was, those those were uh, cool cars. The but mostly the you know mostly experience. Again, fortunately with my my job, I got to drive a lot of very nice cars and a lot of cool places and a lot of rides and things, but. That one has a lot more experiences, uh, probably, again, because the kids grew up in the backseat of that one going all kinds of, of fun things.
0: You know, uh, very interesting, because just in the past week, I had a guest on the show that bought one of the older, the 60s Camaro pace cars, the white ones with the blue stripe around the nose. Yeah. And uh, still has that car today. Yeah. So uh, interesting how these things (laughs) come back around here on car chat. Now, I'm going to be your car psychologist here. We talked about this a little bit in our pre-show chat. Uh, You know, I don't do my job unless I uh, bring some tears to my guest's eyes. And I'm teasing about that. But I've heard that (laughs) from some people as they go back in time. I'm going to ask you a very unique question that I'll bet no one's ever asked you. If you were manifest as a vehicle, Jim, this isn't what you want to be. This is the man in the mirror, how you perceive yourself. What would you be? But more importantly, Why?
1: This might be your hardest question so far. uh, (laughs)
0: Yeah, I know. It's kind of different.
1: Might need some CBD assistance for this (laughs) one to uh, free my mind. But, well, what came to my my (laughs) mind, I guess, as soon as you said that, is uh, I may be a a bit of a mixed-up guy, but I think it's a blend of knowing enough how to get along or, you know, you don't make it in the system, but also kind of a contrarian. I I wasn't really um, satisfied, which might have been one of the reasons that, uh, or I guess a restless or a short attention span that I'd you know, moved a lot of times in my career to different places, but I was kind of challenging the status quo most of the time and, uh, making a lot of questions. So, um, I got to go back and default, uh, to say what I think right now would be the the cool car to be in and is the new Hummer, but the electric Hummer. So uh-huh. I mean, that thing's on the the bleeding edge. And I think it's you know, say this right. So nobody from GM listening to this takes it the wrong way, but it, it's a, uh, it's a contrarian in the sense that it's a bit of an oxymoron. you got electric Hummers, so you've got the tradition of the Hummer brand, right. Uh, right. which, of course, how can I not like that? But the Hummer brand was contrarian, and it, and it was controversial, and it was a little bit in-your-face, and you know, it's for people that were not worried about what other people think about them in and in. But it's electric, so it's looking into the future, and uh, all what I'm into up to my eyeball, eyeballs now. So I think somehow this uh, blend of, of old and new, A little bit contrarian, but super high-tech and a phenomenal engineering product is kind of what all comes to mind, if that makes any sense.
0: Ah, see, that wasn't that hard, was it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes 100% sense to me. Let's talk about a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners today. We're all about uh, learning here, enjoying. So uh, is there a book in your past that you really have enjoyed?
1: Well, I think on that one, I feel like this is like uh, Jeopardy or something. So (laughs) I think uh, (laughs) I'd have to go back... uh, this is going to be a very sexy answer but uh, early on we uh, we had Stephen Covey show up at GM we had those uh, kind of benefits yeah. and uh, actually personally teach us the seven habits of uh, highly effective people and you know I think how many books we go through in our yeah. lifetime at uh, our our ages yeah. and uh, they come and go but you know that one put a pretty serious imprint on me I think I might you know still even till today quote uh, those when people even know what I'm talking about that haven't read it but I think that uh, book was extremely helpful coming through all my years of trying to develop good interpersonal relationships, leadership skills. Uh, uh, whether it was just uh, talking one-on-one to people, uh, to your family, or, or being a boss, that one was uh, extremely valuable. Uh, the other one, I'll go to another extreme. You're, you're going to wonder about this, but it's a book uh, written by an ex-Navy SEAL called David Goggins. Yep, called can't hurt me. I don't know if you've heard of that one. I have. Yeah, I've
0: read it. Yeah, great book.
1: So if you're, uh, as I am now, and you know part of this, I know you're looking for kind of comments is that if you're going to go into startup business, you have to have like phenomenal perseverance because it's brutal. You know, you die every day for years, and if you aren't dedicated to to whatever it is you've picked, you know, to the goal that you've picked if you aren't all in and almost like ready to die for it, probably not going to happen. Uh there's just too many things in your way. It's it's easier just to head back to your to a, a an easier path. So this guy's book is like ridiculous, right? Yes. Just what he went what he went through to achieve the the dream or the goal that he had is uh pretty much insane. So I uh I could relate to that, it's not nearly as <laughs> as uh Broody. extreme as his yeah. physical uh circumstance, but in a business sense, you know, some of the the challenges that I've uh, been through one I mentioned, but others that come along like that, you'd have to have the same sort of mental toughness. There's plenty of smart people, plenty of experienced people, but you have to have that level of, uh, of mental toughness to survive.
0: Absolutely. Great book recommendations. Covey's book is by far one of my favorites. Bought that for my kids when they went off to college. And uh, my favorite of those habits is five. Uh, first, speak, first, listen to understand, then speak to be understood. Uh, which seek first to understand. Yeah, exactly. seek first to understand. Absolutely. Let's go on the ultimate drive today. I have the magic ability to put you in any seat, that is any vehicle, with anybody, living or deceased, and you can be driving any. Where money's no object here, I'm gonna write the big check. So, what does that ultimate drive look like for you today, Jim?
1: <laughs> well, in your 1973 interviews, I'm gonna see if anybody gave you this answer. Okay, so if they did. I'll be disappointed. So,
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I looked at this one like, okay, you got to answer in like one second because this would be a question to be a tremendous uh icebreaker at parties here in Detroit. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah my answer was Harley Earl.
0: Nice. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I think we'd be driving in a 59 Cadillac, driving from L.A. to San Diego and uh, looking at the ocean, cruising through the one, and he'd be telling me how he was going to move design from Hollywood to Detroit and revolutionize the industry (laughs) and uh, what the hell he was thinking leaving California.
0: You know, uh, nobody's answered that question that way, uh, if my memory serves me. But when you've interviewed close to 2,000 people, sometimes the memory doesn't bring them all back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people may have mentioned Harley, but uh, that particular trip in, in that car and then for that reason definitely set you apart, Jim. So uh, you did well there. Uh, you should feel proud. But yeah, that would be a very interesting conversation with the why. Hmm. Interesting, escaping, escaping <laughs> California even back then, which seems to be a trend these days as well. I'll give I, you a little
1: uh, jump in mark aside. So uh, part of the the big win for me personally, uh, I know you live in that zone, so I hope you know how lucky you are to live where you live. That whole strip from uh, San Diego north, I lived in uh, Dana Point, Laguna Beach when I was working at uh, oh. Karma, and that that area of the world is just uh, so phenomenal. But every uh, Sunday morning, I had uh, an old Harley that had a replica. Or a, Sort of a vintage Charlie they took to me with California. And so I get up every Sunday before all the crazies were out and ride all the way up, uh, uh, you know, hunting beach or further north up to Seal Beach and then back down and yeah. park it before everybody else got out on the highway. But the views there, the roads, the, you know, the, the sweeping turns are just phenomenal all through that space. So, But, you know, Harley Earls uh, fascinating. In fact, the very first design studio he had was at the top of what now is the Shinola building here in downtown Detroit. And uh, you know his history is just phenomenal um, about uh, bringing that that whole idea of design and color uh, to the car business, which today we'd say like you got to be kidding, like we all take that for granted. But uh, he was a gigantic change agent in the business.
0: Oh yeah, uh, by far. I mean that name is iconic. And uh, you know I had a guest on the show here, Joan uh, Kramer, who was I believe she was the first woman hired at GM back in the fifties to design cars and women weren't really accepted very well back then and she was actually hid uh she kind of had to hide back in the shop when the big wigs like uh like a Harley would come in the room so that uh she wouldn't even be known to exist back in there but you'll have to go back and listen to my talk with with Joan um she did some amazing things there she was working mm. in the futuristic car division uh at GM so uh um, tr- What was her name? Joan Cladel Kramer. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a link to her uh show and she's become a good friend of mine. She wrote some great uh great series of books for kids called The Magic Scepter recently. She's in a a brilliant designer, very creative artist. And I uh, actually got to read my first Christmas story to my grandson the other day with her book in hand. So that made it even more special. Uh, yeah. If you're All right, just, I'll look for- If you're listening, Joan, uh, good morning or good evening or whenever you're listening. Right. You have taken us on a wonderful journey today, Jim. I am so, so happy that we got to talk. I want to do a big shout out to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Shawna McIntyre. Uh, she introduced me to you, and I understand she sits on your board at Elms, right?
1: Yeah, we we're really, really fortunate to uh, find her. One of the young, smart men that works for me was reached out and knew her through some uh, prior relationships. And uh, we had a, a quick uh, session in San Francisco when I was living there uh, from the last job. And then also some more phones and uh, phone calls. But from her background as well, as you know you yeah. know well by now.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It's just perfect for this. And uh, she's in this high-tech space. But it's hard to find people that have you know, a touch of Detroit, but not so much they got spoiled. And then a uh, you know, <laughs> a touch of San Francisco where likewise they haven't turned into a complete techie and uh you know, wanted wanna jump into this space, but she's uh she's fantastic for us for our board.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thankful. So thank you, Shauna. Before I let you go today, could you share maybe parting word of wisdom, words of inspiration, a mantra or success, or a success quote?
1: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Wow, okay. Now I think again, well, my, uh, if you ask my kids this one, that's probably a better litmus test. What they would say is what's dad always say. And Okay. Um, okay. So the, the first one that comes immediately to mind is Carpe Diem. It's just, you know, somehow you can kind of get all wrapped up and overanalyzing the future. And a lot of the younger folks, you know, how did you make this career happen? It's like by doing whatever I was doing every day right. and uh, doing it well. You know, and then uh, give using that platform for the next one, but not too much over analyzing or f- forward forecasting or thinking that you can manufacture something. So, got to uh, we get wrapped up in a lot of things. Live in the moment. You know, smell the roses, uh, carpe diem, kind of all of those wrapped together doesn't mean that you you can uh, not plan for the future, but you know, make sure you're enjoying the ride.
0: Absolutely. And since we're talking about cars today, I've got to do a shout out to Dwight Knowlton, who's been on the show three times now. His slogan for his brand is Carpe VM seize the road versus the day. So I think mm. it works in both cases here, but I love that. Great. How can people <laughs> learn more about electric last mile? Elms.
1: Well, obviously the website would be a good place to to start. And then of course, we have our social channels on all, all the normal uh, locations. So you know, that's probably the the best location for them to look, I think, make it easy.
0: Absolutely. I'll make sure I put a link to that on Jim Taylor's show notes page. You'll find it here on the Cardia yeah website. Jim, uh, you know, this is Christmas week. So Merry Christmas to you and the whole staff there at Electric Last Mile. Uh, here's to a very successful, let's hope a very healthy 2022. This year has sheer sure flown by. I wish all of your team the best. Success in the future. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you quietly down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: right. Thank you very much. Best uh, best of season to you as well, Mark. Thank, Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling, yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. We'll <laughs>